Good evening, Crypt Keepers. It's time for a special announcement. You all know about the infamous Zombie Road from our podcast, a real-life dark forest just west of St. Louis. Well, we're planning a free Zombie Road tour on Saturday, October 28th at noon. All are welcome, but the tour will include descriptions of violence, death, and hauntings. Zombie Road boasts an array of hauntings, including shadow people, a railroad worker's spirit, a lady in white, old blue, the mummy, a monkey man, flannel man, black-eyed kids, and so much more. Deaths were commonplace in the area, beginning with Native American battlegrounds, suicides, accidental deaths, and murders. The tour will be 100% free, and we will have some merch for sale, so bring some cash. Join us for a Halloween party like no other on the infamous Zombie Road. Feel free to come dressed up in your scariest costume. We'll see you there Saturday, October 28th at 12 p.m. Central Time. Sherman Beach Park, 1582 St. Paul Road, Baldwin, Missouri, 63021. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to another Fortean episode of Crypt Tea. I'm joined, as always, by a man who can talk to ghosts, but can't find his own socks. Ryan, what's up? Mm. Not a whole lot. You, you That that one hit kind of deep, because I'm having trouble finding the kind of socks I usually get. Yep. See? It's been a challenge. All right. Tell them what they need to know. I think most of you guys know what you know what you need to know or know what i'm gonna say and that is to support us if you want to if you choose if you consent if you like our enigmatic show right. by rating liking commenting subscribing all those things you can do on your podcast platform because they help our visibility quite a bit but the most important thing is to share the show with somebody who you think will enjoy it and maybe even pass it on to somebody else you can find us on all various social media platforms. You can even find our merchandise at crypticpodcaststore.com. But what we really want, on top of all those other things, is to hear what you guys think about the show, what you want to hear next, or what your friends and family think about you for listening to us. <laughs> you can let us know at crypticpodcast.gmail.com. Barbara DeLong is a seasoned spiritual explorer with a journey spanning over five decades, during which she has attained international recognition as a podcast host, author, artist, lecturer, ordained minister, and documentarian. Notably, she crafted the Cosmic Deck of Initiation, a hand-painted set of mandala cards designed for private divination and spiritual evolution, complemented by her authored handbook. Her literary works extend to Whispers of Spiritual Wisdom, a collection of spiritually insightful poems. In 2023, she co-authored Before Roswell, The Secret History of UFOs, alongside Ken Goodsward. Barbara's website is a treasured trove of personal experiences and a wealth of spiritual wisdom and knowledge, creating a rich resource for seekers. 
You can find her websites, barbaradelong.com, blogtalkradio.com, forward slash nightlight. The book is Before Roswell, The Secret History of UFOs. Welcome, Barbara DeLong to Cryptique. If you could, for the listeners, if you could just give them kind of a rundown on where they can find all your stuff, it would be better for them to hear it from you than just from me. Okay, I can be found on barbaradelong.com. Uh, also on cosmicdeckofinitiation.com, mm-hmm. on YouTube, on Facebook, on certainly the website has links to everything on it. Sure. And um, they are probably a lot more clear than I am at the moment, but <laughs> they're there. And there's a, a ton of information there on everything from UFOs to spiritual development to UFOs, of course, and Mm -hmm. uh, the Cosmic Deck of Initiation. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's sort of, or just Google me because I'm all over the place. It's lots of fun. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, I like to, when I listen to a podcast, I like to, if possible, go to that, you know, the guest's website and kind of look through that as I'm listening to the podcast. So I, I, you know, encourage the listeners to check that out if you can. If you're driving, just listen. But if you're at home, you're on your laptop listening or on your phone, just check out the websites as we go along. So it, it'll be, you know, kind of a visual experience to go along with the audio. But we want to get into before Roswell, the secret history of UFOs, because this is so exciting because there's just not a whole lot out there. Everybody wants to focus on Roswell and Rendlesham and some of these, you know, I guess more recent sightings, but you went deep. You you went way back in the past, which is awesome. Well, you know, we did that on purpose because to be honest with you, Roswell was kind of the um the place that yeah, we went back 270,000 years BCE. Wow. Um but with Roswell, that was where the beginning of conspiracy and hidden and, and um, you know, uh, stuff that, that, you know, we don't want the public to know. And, and after Roswell, there became fear and, and negative feelings towards UFOs. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, uh, especially in the 1800s, it was kind of like, well, I was milking the cows and I saw this shape go across the sky and when i got done milking the cows i went and i talked to my friends about it and that there was no fear Mm -hmm. it was just something else that was out there and and if you go back in history most of the sightings um are just just things that just happened and this is what the newspaper wrote up about it it was no big deal it was not you know, the government's coming in to investigate or anything like that. Sure. It was basically more or less filling empty space of the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So Ken and I thought, um, because after Roswell, that's when all of the fake stuff started to happen. And with all the UFOs that are out there, you don't know if they're ours or Russia's or China's or Japan's sure. or Poland's or, and it, you know, you just don't know who they belong to. Mm-hmm. And personally i think a lot of them are drones that may come from the future but oh that's interesting yeah a lot of these are drones they're not 
manned I, at all, I don't believe. Uh, and and look at the Foo Fighters during World War One and Two. Um, they basically were were light plasma, kind of like. Do you happen to have a cat? I do not now because my mother-in-law is allergic, so okay. I really, really want one. But I okay. have had a cat in the past. All right. So you know what it's like when you play with a laser, and mm -hmm. the cat goes crazy. Sure. I think that's what what, what those Foo Fighters were. I think they mm -hmm. were remote-controlled lasers. And they oh. were playing with our fighters. It could be. Um, See what their capabilities are and no, stuff like that. they were just like playing. I, yeah. you, oh, okay. I, I don't think that there was anything serious there. Um, and and in a lot of the occasions that there were you know sightings that were reported, they, they were very innocent. And and I mean, <clears throat> my very favorite. Have you looked at the book at all? I have not, no. Well, then I'll give you a piece of trivia you can pull on people. Okay. Who was the first human being to ever shoot down a UFO? Well, I know, but only because of you, because I've listened to you on other podcasts. Why don't you oh. tell us? Well, the first the first human being was um, uh, Baron Manfred von Reckenfern, and he mm. was the Red Baron. And he actually shot down 80 enemy plays in, uh, planes for the Germans during World War One. Sure. But he's the first human in history to gun down a, an alien spaceship. That's amazing. He, he gunned it down, and um, it crashed. And mm -hmm. the pilot got out and ran into the woods, and the thing, you know, blew up, and that that was the end of it. They went back, and they reported it, and were told not to talk about it. And he, you know, he thought nothing of it. So, again, one of those, it, it's not an alien invasion. It was a spaceship, which was kind of cool. They but didn't expect them, to run into the Red Baron. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the coolest piece of trivia ever. I just, when I, when I found that, I thought that was, this is it. This is the coolest piece ever. Someday it's going to be on a quiz show someplace. But... <laughs> I seem well, to have talked. I've talked about it so much, probably not. <laughs> no, that's that's an awesome story, and you know, certainly, you would think that there's different, I guess, levels of spacecraft, you know, from different civilizations. Maybe, and you know, this was you know quite a while ago too. But uh, maybe nowadays, you know, regular bullets wouldn't take down a ufo but back then and i don't know what kind of you know ammo or or guns that you know were on the planes but you know it would make sense to think that you know what would be a hundred years ago thereabouts oh, more. that more than that i think okay so so long time ago so you know maybe their their spacecraft weren't uh they didn't have their force fields or you know stuff <laughs> that they have now so Maybe they I, learned. <laughs> well, you know, I, maybe. Um, but look at in 19, um, <clears throat> 1946, mm -hmm. when when Operation um, High Jump took place with Admiral Berg taking a, I mean, he, he took a huge f um, flotilla. It was mm -hmm. 13 sh ships and 33 aircraft carriers, 47,000. 
47,000, 4,700 men. Mm-hmm. And they were going to go to Antarctica. And they said it was, um, it was for scientific research, but you don't send that many men for research. So. Right. But, and they were going to, they were going after the Nazi base that was supposedly underneath Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And Admiral Berg had been theoretically flown into it, um, and he called it Middle Earth. But um, when they got close to Antarctica, um, saucers came out of the water, attacked them, and they lost a lot. Mm-hmm. And they turned around and they went home, and no more, <laughs> no more was ever said about it. And now nobody can go there unless you're a scientist and you have a little you know, couple acres square plot where you can be, you can't fly over it. It's, it's all restricted now. It seems strange. Oh, yeah, there, there's a lake that is not frozen that you can't fly over. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, I, I truly believe that there is a, um, a Nazi camp of some sort, probably not Nazis any longer, but there is definitely a community of some sort under the ice. Yeah. And I do believe there had been aliens there before because it seems as though from what I've read that there was an alien base there. And when the Nazis turned up, they let them use a lot of the facilities that they were no longer using. Mm -hmm. So I I think that there's probably um, almost a culture there now. And, and uh, sooner or later, you know, it is melting, but I don't Mm -hmm. know how long it's going to take to melt, but I would say that whoever is there now is waiting because um, from what you can see in the world, from what the, what is going on, um, there is a pole shift coming up. And, you know, they, they probably are just waiting for nature to take its course so they can come back up above ground again. Well, that would make sense. I'd, I'd probably try and hide if, uh, if I could, too, with the way things are going these days. But Oh, jeez. But, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because if you're wanting to kind of stay hidden and not be noticed then it's the perfect place to be especially if you have technology where the temperatures aren't a problem well don't you feel it's strange that the the u.s navy had the bejesus beat out of it and they never went back absolutely i have heard that uh, they had kind of plasma beams or some sort of laser beams that would just saw things right in half and and that was the end of them. So scary stuff. But I mean, I can't imagine the U.S. military just saying, oh, uh, yeah, we changed our minds. Uh, we're coming there, back. <laughs> that doesn't no. happen. So No, I, I don't think it is. And, and you know, it, it really is um, a little frightening, a little disturbing. But in in the 60s, I, a UFO landed on my campus. Yeah, tell us that story. Oh, that, that's cool. This, this one I love. I was, they locked, they locked the women in the dorms at 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. As, I guess because they thought we never got in trouble before 11. Right. I, I don't know why else. <laughs> but but um, the dorms were locked. And we just had radios in our dorm rooms. We didn't have TVs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the news was coming up. And we heard on the news 
that a UFO had been spotted over the campus. And so, of course, we all rushed to the window to see if we could see it. And indeed, there was something <clears throat> that had landed um, behind a building that was right in front of our, or between our building and the football field where it landed. Mm -hmm. And then we heard police cars rushing towards us with their sirens bla blazing. And sure. you know, what, what better way to creep up on a UFO yeah, sneak than up have, on them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and we heard on the radios, we we're turning the stadium lights on to see if we can see it better. And we saw the stadium lights go on. Mm -hmm. And um, just briefly, shortly thereafter, this saucer raised up and it swooped over my dorm and it blocked out the sky. And then it, it felt like it hung there for quite a while, but it didn't. And suddenly it went and it was gone. There was no noise displacement. There was no sonic boom. There was no wind, nothing. It just was gone. And um, what was fascinating mostly to me was I thought, how cool this is. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want to know more. But there were people screaming. There were people crying. There were people hiding. And there were some people that didn't see a thing. Wow. And... In retrospect, I think your consciousness has to be ready to accept something before you actually see it. Oh, yeah. So um, that was my beginning of fascination with UFOs. Uh, when the news came on the next hour, it wasn't mentioned at all. Of course not. <laughs> and it wasn't in the newspapers. And um, <clears throat> But it turns out that I was in the 60s, hmm. 30 years, 40 years later, um, somebody wrote a book on authenticated UFO sightings, and that was one of them. Oh, that's got to be just reaffirming for you that, yes, you know, it's, it is out there. Well, yeah, it is. But you know, I think what, what is really interesting is that um, I, nobody ever believed me. You know, how many beers did you have? How drunk were you? You know, what a piece of, I mean, I cannot stand the, um, and I know you've talked about it, but we actually have some memes that we've put out where it's always swamp gas or ball lightning. It cannot possibly be anything else except swamp gas or ball lightning. Or like you said, had a few beers and just started hallucinating. Yeah. I mean, because well, I've I've had a few beers. I've never seen a UFO or a Bigfoot. So Well, J. Allen Hynek was there. Oh wow. And and he did not um, label it swamp gas. He he wouldn't he didn't label it anything. So many years later it was one of the authenticated ones. But, you know, it's it's just it's fascinating in that um I know that they were real, but pri but after Roswell, I I really don't have much faith in any of them being real because there was so much um you know, we, we, we have saucers that were down, we're, you know, reverse engineering them. Mm -hmm. And, and it was kind of like, how do you tell? The only yeah. one that I really am positive of that personally mm -hmm. is uh, the Rendlesham Forest one, because Jim Pat Peterson was on the show and that one was a drone and it had, 
It had glyphs on You've had him on, haven't you? We haven't had him on, but we did do a, a show on Rendlesham. We actually, we did two because the first one was just, there was so much information. We had to find a way to pare it down. And yeah, I mean, the, the explanations that they give are just silly. I well, mean, oh, it was a lighthouse and, and they just, it's been there every single day, but they just noticed it that night. No. I mean, silly. Uh, but he put, he put his hand on this drone mm-hmm. and there were glyphs and he was downloaded with a tremendous amount of binary code. Ooh. And the binary code he wrote in his book, but they never asked him what he wrote in his book, so he never turned it in. Mm-hmm. Now, many decades later, he was uh, talking to Barbara Hanclough, mm-hmm. who, who said, that's, um, that's binary code. And and so was it Barbara Hanclow or was it, it? I may have the the wrong woman, but it was a woman. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, and and they had it they had it um, deciphered, and it listed a lot of the um, sacred sites that were on the globe: their latitude and longitude. Sure. Also, High Brazil, which is off the coast of um, Scotland, England, mm-hmm. in there someplace. And it said, among other things, that um, not sure I have the wording exact, but but basically it was um, observation of the human condition, um, ongoing, and the date of origin of the message was eighty one hundred. Wow, wow, that's crazy. So now, um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I was just um, going to say that. So that's how we know that it was a drone that like that was revealed to him. I mean, I know no little green guys jumped no, out no. and ran around. It was, but It was very small. It was small enough so he could walk around it with his hand trailing on it. It was okay. smaller than a VW Beetle. It okay. was it was too small for there to be anybody. Um, inside of it, unless of course they were teeny tiny, and I don't think they were. Um, that's one of I called it a drone from the future, mm-hmm. and and it picked up and it took off and it was not never seen again. So um, you know, you kind of it it has to have been a drone, and I think many of what we see are drones. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're really saucers. I don't think they're manned by anybody. Now there are. Certain there, there are times when people have said, you know, well, I've talked to the UFO inhabitant, uh, Billy Meyer. Mm-hmm. He's been on he's been on their ships, and he's um, and and I happen to think Billy Meyer is authentic. I, I know who you're talking about. I don't have enough info to say whether by everything he's saying, but well, he he was he was um, in communication. Mm-hmm. With the with these aliens, um, from the time he was, I, sh- I guess nine, ten years old, mm-hmm. and they wanted him to stop to stop going to school, and he did, and um, he he uh, he as he got older, he got a little bit rambunctious. He got in trouble with the law, and he ran away from home. He joined the Foreign Legion. And he was a member of the Foreign Legion for quite a while, and he left it because he didn't like killing men. And after he got out of the Foreign Legion, uh, shortly thereafter in South, in um, I think South Africa, 
Um, mm. He was hit by a bus and lost one of his arms, <sighs> went back to his hometown, mm -hmm. and um, then had to serve time in jail. But um, and then he continued, you know, with with his contact with these aliens. And mm -hmm. I, I found it fascinating in that he has no background in in quantum physics or anything like that. He's written a tremendous number of books, mm -hmm. and you know that he didn't do it himself. That that <laughs> it was a it was channeled material. Sure. And the other reason I think that it is that that he's accurate. Um, not so sure about the photographs, but the material he has is very, very, um, very deep, very metaphysical, very spiritual. Um, one of the reasons I kind of buy it is because he talks about this one contact he had, and her name was Simnyasi. And um, Hitler had a whole circle of psychics that were helping him out and sure did. the the blonde the blonde one the main one was orsage um and when they showed her picture to billy meyer he said that's simyasi mm. and it's i mean i've seen drawings and pictures and yeah she's a spitting image that's cool. of, of his alien um yeah, people have tried to kill him. He's not had a peaceful life. He's, um, but he's still around, and he's still putting information out there. And uh, it's it's very enlightened, and it's pure, and it's mystical. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason I tend to really be interested in what he says is that that he's not trying to be a leader he's not trying to create a cult he's though he though he has created a following that is profound mm -hmm. um he's not perfect but i think he's genuine yeah well that makes sense I, it also makes sense that you talk about drones because you know we see with like the tic tac and some of these other you know w when we talk about ufos we're not necessarily saying that they're always from a different planet or you know we've got aircraft we don't know about but they talk about how a human body would not be able to withstand the g-forces on some of the maneuvers that these ufos or uaps do so yeah having it as a drone i mean that makes sense well look at look at in ancient india the vimanas mm -hmm. they did that and yeah. and they were you know, they were, I don't think they were spaceships. I don't think any of the drones, any of the UFOs we see, I don't think they're spaceships. I think they're they're drones. They've come through, and this is just my own personal opinion, Sure. but I, I think they've come through an interdimensional portal. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that too. It could be other planets, other dimensions, the future, and you know our aircrafts that we just haven't seen yet it would make sense that it could be all four it could be i you know our our original um spaceships were, were made from um submarines so 
you know, if you go way back. Mm -hmm. But of course, of course, our government doesn't admit to that. But no. you know, secret space program and all. <laughs> yeah, black budget, right? Oh my goodness, yes. That's why our roads are horrible. But we have, and we can't, you know, take care of our veterans or feed the needy or, you know, house the homeless. But we can spend billions and billions of dollars to go to another planet. It's, it's just sad to me. I mean, I do think that there needs to be some research and development and stuff like that. But you know, let's take care of our own house first. Well, so. yeah, but but also. When you look at, you know, they're they're trying to make, you know, they want a colony on Mars. Mm -hmm. There already is one. Oh. So why are we replicating what's already there? I don't know. That's a great question. It, I mean, the moon. There's stuff there on the dark side of the moon. Mm -hmm. They scared they scared our astronauts off. Don't yeah. come back. Yeah, and now they're starting to talk about it after 50 years. It's like, man, you guys could have saved us all a lot of trouble if you just told us the truth from the beginning. And I'm sure they were probably told, oh, well, your family's going to be, you know, in trouble if you uh, if you open your mouth. But well, and and I think one thing that has always bothered me about about the pictures of our um, guys on the moon. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> have you ever noticed they don't show any stars? Yeah, and they have the most odd explanations for everything. But yeah, yeah, I have noticed that. I mean, come on. They have no atmosphere. They should have been clear. Mm -hmm. They should have been sparkly. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And how did they film the landing with a camera that was already there? That doesn't make sense either. No, but, you know, we're so... We have been so trusting of everything they've said mm -hmm. that we don't question. Yeah. That's, and, and... that's the problem. Question everything. <laughs> yeah. And believe nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially when it comes from our government because, you know, they care about them. So it's not necessarily what's in our best interest. But, I mean, we saw that. I, I know you talk a little bit about Operation Paperclip and... You know, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, you know, these people committed these horrible atrocities, but they're really smart. So let's bring them over and give them a whole new life when they can be, you know, they can be our mad scientists. You want to tell us a little bit about Operation Paperclip? Well, it was it was because they were so far ahead of us in technology, mm -hmm. um, the, the Russians and us and who knows who else? Yeah, it's a good point. We're, we're all in competition for the scientists to get them and bring them and, and to, you know, um, be in charge of our rocket system. But it isn't just the rocket stuff. It was the medical stuff. Mm -hmm. And and I think what 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 was really upsetting was they, they took them all, they put them in one place because they were developing the atom bomb. Mm -hmm. And um, they gave them new names. They gave them money but they kept them all together mm -hmm. and they also i i do believe had a great deal of gold that had been you know retrieved that was not returned mm -hmm. to where it should have gone i mean billions of dollars worth of gold um so so it's it's sort of like they made it look like we were we were doing the right thing the 
the uh, honorable thing, but that's not the case because that gold that was German gold that was brought to this country with Operation Paperclip also funded the Montauk pro- uh, project. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was it, it was German doctors and German gold that funded that program. So, um, you know, it, it's our government. You know, you like to think the government is pure and honest, and <laughs> and <laughs> I mean it's today. Anything you, but. Yes. <laughs> well, I had Gary Wayne on the show um, a while back, and he did a show on uh, the CERN mm. collider. Yeah. And and during that show, he said, "Listen, the hierarchy has been the hierarchy has been there since um, the um, the Templars, and then you know the Masonic, and then the um, Rosicrucians, and." Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he went up the hierarchy from, you know, the family of four to the family of 300 to the, I mean, he took eight or nine steps up the ladder to however many levels there are to who are really controlling the government and mm. our presence here on the earth. And it's just, it's, it's, um, you know, disgusting when you see people being as honest as they possibly can be and knowing mm. that what they're saying is a lie mm. but they don't know it oh. so every level yeah. of that hierarchy has their own concept of you know that they're at the top and they control everything but the reality is they're not and there's another level above them that are pulling their strings mm-hmm. and so that so that you know, you, you have to go through maybe seven or eight different levels before you get to anybody that has any sort of power at all. Mm-hmm. And and what are they doing it for? I mean, this planet, I mean, if you, if you even look at human DNA, human DNA is older than the planet. Yep. So where did we come from? That's the great question, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, personally, uh, I have kind of a a Christian outlook, but I'm open-minded to everything. It could very well be that aliens from another dimension or another planet saw that this was a you know beautiful planet and wanted to seed it with life. Uh, it's it's just so hard to say, but yeah, I'm open to everything. So, what do you think? Oh, uh, wow. Um, I think we we were seated here for sure. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think that um, there's a book called The Shining Ones. <clears throat> Excuse me, The Shining Ones, and I can't remember his first name, but the last name is O'Brien, Christian okay. O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And that talks about people coming through an interdimensional portal to cultivate um, the planet, mm-hmm. to be able to grow things on it. And um, the experiment went kind of wrong and some of the people got left and there was interbreeding and there, there, there remains the humans. That's how they came onto this planet. Um, they were, I, I think... We weren't seeded as much as bred into this atmosphere. Okay. 
Gotcha. So we're crossbred. And I think that that's part of, that's one of the places where um, the element of, um, of the uh, negative blood comes in. Mm -hmm. The RH negative blood, because there's no way, they don't know where it came from. Well, it was probably swamp gas or ball lightning. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be. It, it, I, it, you just, you don't know. But the important thing is that, that this is where we're, we're living and we should certainly be treating it better. And, For sure. And it just, it, it, it's heartbreaking to see what we're doing with the environment. And um, I'm not crazy, but, you know, I, I think there are things that we're doing that could certainly have been done better. For I mean, sure. look at electricity. Tesla mm -hmm. had the right idea. Yeah. And there's no reason why you can't bring back Tesla's stuff. Yeah, there's um, a story I'm, I'm not 100% sure on how accurate it is, but that uh, Trump's uncle is the one who went into Tesla. Like, he got all of Tesla's experiments, like, the I guess, the paperwork and stuff, out of a safe. And we haven't seen it since. Now, that could just be something to... No, that's true. Okay. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I don't know a lot about it. I just know that Bush's, oh, okay. his uncle was one of those that went in after Tesla died and got his notebooks and took them out of there. Uh, there were a number of trunks that were taken that have not been found. So, What kind um, of magic could be in those trunks? Well, he was working with um, anti-gravity stuff, mm -hmm. and he was also working on time travel. So you can take it from there. <laughs> um, I would, I would think that the anti-gravity stuff, I mean, the Germans were working with anti-gravity right towards the end of World War II as well. Mm -hmm. So why we haven't been able to utilize that um, knowledge and material is beyond me because that's, that's almost 70 years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. and, the, the research was there. I mean, and they found the sites where, where they were used, where, where they were working on it. So it, it's, it's in 70 years, our scientists couldn't figure it out and, and incorporate it into our own um, airplanes and stuff like that. It's hard to imagine. Yeah, they could. It's just a matter of what makes the most money. And I feel like they were like, well, we're just going to use up as much oil as possible. And then people will kind of, you know, get sick of that. And then we're going to move on to electricity. But we're not going to really use much uh, nuclear power or, you know, hydropower to create the electricity. We're just going to burn diesel. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you guys are going backwards here. So well, I... I I did see that the biggest Tesla charging station in the United States is powered completely by diesel generators. So, oh God. you know, you can't, you can't tell anybody anything. So, no, that's true. That's true. It's just that I'm beginning to wonder if our military is really operating in the dark mm. and, and that there is another level of it that is working more on depopulation than anything else. It, it's hard to 
say that they're not working on you know depopulizing the world it's it's pretty clear when bill gates says through vaccines we will be able to you know basically control population and depopulate and i mean it's just it's out there you just have to open your eyes well hillary clinton bragged about it uh, doesn't surprise me at all you know, the stuff they were sending over to africa had hiv in it Ugh. It's, she is a vile person. We did a whole, actually we did two episodes. One of all the people, you know, related to the Clintons that have uh, passed away under mysterious circumstances. <laughs> there are a lot. <laughs> it, it's hard to deny. I mean, I, I know that, you know, as a president and a secretary of state, you you know a lot more people than I do. But when it's like 80, 100 people that have died mysterious deaths you know two gunshot wounds to the back of the head is a suicide uh-huh <sighs> it's a mess oh it's yeah mess. no i think that that what what is horrifying to me is that the the um government that we see is not really the government that's in control mm-hmm. and and you know they say well you can control the government by voting yeah. um the last time I voted in Nashville, mm-hmm. I went and I showed them my registration card. I got a card. It was a blank card. Mm-hmm. And they said, you put it in the machine and you make your choices. You push the buttons and you push the button and you take the card and you put it over and you put it in this other machine. Mm-hmm. I put it in. I made all my choices. I pulled it out. There was nothing on it. And I said <laughs> to the man... There's nothing here. He said, oh, no, it's there. You just can't see it. I said, no, I didn't vote. (laughs) And he said, no, you did vote. You just can't see it. And I stood back for a while and I watched everybody else putting blank cards into this machine. Now, I was registered as having voted, Mm -hmm. but not who I voted to. Yeah, it's... Well, you know, one of my favorite lines of all time is from Mark Twain. He said, if if voting mattered, they wouldn't let us do it. Oh, I really, I believe that. <laughs> I do too, 100%. And yeah, it's, it's a sense of uh, control that we really don't have. And, you know, they say, oh, you can, you can vote for whoever you want. Well, I mean, you can write in a name, but most of the people... And I mean, this is me talking, I'm not talking for you, but pretty much everybody that I've come across that I've looked into it all in government is all corrupt and in it for themselves. Right. So if you have three choices, do you really get to vote for who you want to vote for, even if it does work and it goes through and it and the vote goes to the person that, you know, you check the box for? Yeah, I just I. It, I, I think our government at this point is a joke. Yeah. And 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 it's just my personal belief that that it should be they should all be fired. Oh yeah. And that that the new voting thing is um, the person with the most votes is president, and the second most is vice president. Oh, there you go. And that there are that that. They're, they're, you know, they have a term limit, but if you if you insist on having a Congress and a Senate, there should be term limits. For sure. 
And I mean, to have people that have to be carried into the Senate to vote, mm. come on. I mean, um, Weinstein had to be told what to vote for. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, how rich do you have to be? Yeah, that's the I thing. Mean, it used to be <laughs> you would do four years and then you'd go back to your regular job, whether it was a farmer or a politician or whatever. But, you know, you, it, it was not something you made a living on. And I just, it doesn't feel right anymore. And I don't know what to suggest. I'm, I'm certainly not going to make a difference, but it just feels as though there is something we need to do to resolve this so that we feel like our government is really our government mm -hmm. and not and not a corporation another corporation mm -hmm. that is taking over and manipulating us very much like the catholic church mm -hmm. and you know big pharma and it was a, is it big pharma or is it there was one of the big corporations that actually um got voted into i think congress because they, doesn't they surprise me they declared it was a person i mean <sighs> it, it just um it's it doesn't work anymore and i don't feel it represents me not at all no term human. limits and no lobbying would fix a lot of things but i mean are we gonna trust to vote people in that are going to vote and say yes i can only have this job for four years it's not going to happen no, and they, they're the ones that gave themselves raises, too. I mean, right. you know. <laughs> yeah, I wish no, I no. got to vote on my own raise. Yeah, that I'll would be, be like, cool. oh, 70% sounds fair. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll only serve one year. <laughs> right. No, it just, it's, it's frightening to see what's happened. And the depopulation part, too, I, the Georgia Stones, one of, one, one of the, are you familiar with them? The Georgia Stones. Oh yeah, the Georgia Guidestones. Mm -hmm. So, so they blew up one of them, mm -hmm. but instead of fixing it and re-putting it up, they bulldozed the other two as well. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. I, the the public isn't getting any truth anymore. Well, no, but they're getting TikTok, and they're getting <laughs> Netflix. And I mean, there's there's people that will watch a movie, say, just, you know, throw one out there like The Pope's Exorcist. They will watch that movie and it's OK, but they'll watch it and they will take that as like a historical documentary. Yeah. And they just it, it, you can't wake people up. And it's very frustrating. <laughs> well, I think that's that's what gets me the most. That's why I do my radio show. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I take authors that, that have, you know, a, a take on history, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I don't, I don't really, I mean, if it's too crazy, I don't, I don't put them on, but, you know, everybody has their own philosophy and it's sure. important to pay attention to them. And I love the Old Testament because those stories are so crazy. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And, and. You know, you can see how they've been repeated through history, too. So it was such a good story. We'll bring it back every couple hundred years. <laughs> but but um, it's, it's, it's amazing how when you get to something like Christianity and you have Paul coming in and, and it, should, it should not be 
Christianity. It should be Paulism well, because he basically wrote it most most of it. So that's well, at just least me. that's what we're told. Yes, <laughs> I actually uh, by you know if you were to define me, uh, you would say that I'm Catholic. I just I think the Catholic religion is okay, but the church works for the devil and i mean the last time i went to church they spent literally less than five minutes talking about the gospel and like 40 minutes telling us why they need more money for this they need more money for that they i'm like well it looks like uh gucci design the inside of your church here there's you know million dollar marble pillars everywhere there's gold foil on the wall there's you know precious artwork every year maybe uh we could tear some of that down and give the money to people that you know don't have food to eat or a place yeah. to live but i i was catholic for a while and i left um i will never forget this i went to mass Mm -hmm. And they took collection. Mm -hmm. And then I turned around and they were taking another one. They took five collections. It's crazy. And I think they were counting it in the back and <laughs> signaling the priest when they got enough. Wow. And and it was like, no, this is not my idea of religion and worship and loving my neighbor. It just isn't. Mm -hmm. So So I struck out and found other religions to look into and found that uh, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I just, um, I've had some rabbis on the show that were just the dearest, sweetest men you could ever imagine. And and some, you know, some Christian theolo theologians and theologians. And, and you know, it's it's been, gosh, it's been, I don't know how many years, but we've done over 700 podcasts. So wow. a lot. Yeah. And, and I and I read every book that I interview on, so um, it's been it's been a fabulous background for me. I've had a lovely time so far. Well, so where, if you don't mind, tell us kind of where you fall in religion. Is it <laughs> like I believe in spirit, higher self, or? Well, um, I believe that the source of all creation um, is a consciousness mm -hmm. an awareness, if you will. Okay. And that um, at some point in time, it sent out pieces of itself to seed the universe. Okay. And all of us have a seed of that infinite intelligence within us. That is what animates us. That's our breath of life. The spirit within that's part of that is the source of creation. So each of us carry within us a piece of the source of all creation. Mm -hmm. We have access to it if we want to work hard enough to get there. And that our spirit is journeying through time, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, mm -hmm. for millions of lifetimes. Till at some point it it assembles and it collects enough experience in this and other dimensions and other lifetimes that it breaks through um, a wall of consciousness mm -hmm. into a place where it becomes the source of all creation for yet another dimension. Ooh. 
that's really cool. I have I have heard similar things, but not that it's a a source for another you know planet or or realm or dimension or or whatever. Yeah, that's really it, cool. It I I believe that that we you know we have to do, we have to experience everything mm-hmm. in great depth, and that that at some point, millions of lifetimes from now, probably. Um, people who say, well, I'm not coming back. I've evolved enough. You know, it's kind of like, you know, good luck. Um, <laughs> because, and, and I usually say, you know, you, your personality will never come back again, but your spirit may have another idea. I believe there's a difference between the soul, which is connected to the mind, mm-hmm. and the spirit, which is connected to infinity. Okay. All right. So, well, that... That brings me to a question I was going to ask a lot later, but I have been kind of fixated on head binding in the pineal gland. And there's a theory out. Well, first of all, kind of my belief is that the pineal gland is almost like a, an antenna. And that's what kind of connects you, you know, your, your God particle or whatever to this higher consciousness and I just can't help but wondering, I know that the scientific view is that head binding is basically cosmetic, possibly to try and look like alien visitors uh, from the past. But I've heard this new theory that changing the placement of the pineal gland in your, you know, in your brain by head binding can enhance, you know, psychic abilities, stuff like that. What, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, the spirit um, is etheric. It's immortal. Mm-hmm. And it's not a thing. It's an awareness. So it doesn't need a place. Okay. Um, but in order to experience physical reality, it has to have an avatar, which is the human body. Okay. So, um, I think that the, I, I do believe that, that there was a culture, um, possibly an alien race of some sort, because you look at the Egyptian, um, you know, Akhenaten and, and that, those guys who had the elongated skulls, mm-hmm. um, that was natural. And okay. I think the humans who have done the, the head wrapping was was kind of like the, um, oh, the, the culture in the Philippines that, you know, the cargo culture where they were, you know, building planes so that they, the strangers would come back with the food and everything that they sure. had there. So I, I believe that, that the artificial changing of the size of the head or the placement of the pineal gland um, probably um, I don't think it changes anything I okay. think that you know everything just kind of grows into that shape or that form um, the pineal gland absolutely could be an electronic like an electronic antenna okay. but again it's in the physical it's not in the spiritual realm sure so your spirit is in the spiritual realm experiencing the physical realm through the human body 
Mm -hmm. So it could be an antenna that, that could definitely open you up to greater awareness. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a physical, it's, it's like parts of an engine as sure. a parse to an etheric connection to the um, source of all creation. Okay. Well, I, I can live with that. You know, I, I, I'm not married to any idea, so I can have my mind changed. Oh, me too. Me too. I mean, that's my theory today. You right. Know, check with me tomorrow. You know? There you go. Now, one thing that you talked about was Fatima. And I'd like you to tell us that story. But I noticed before, and I can't remember if, if you said this or the host uh, of whatever show I was listening to mentioned it, uh, but they said angel hair. I don't know what that is. Uh, could you explain that? Or is that something that wasn't your idea to begin with? No, there is angel hair, but it's a physical um, manifestation of something that goes on with the air, with um, with the physicality. Um, okay. And I think I know where I have it on my website. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot on the website. Sure. Um, well, that's okay. We don't have to get into it. Uh, so if you guys want to know about it, go to her website and oh, look it wait, up. I found it. I found it. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So angel hair is also is named because of its delicate, glittery, and white hair-like appearance. Mm -hmm. As with crop circles and animals' mutilations, there's an association with angel hair and UFOs. Although nothing is known about the true origin or purpose of this anomaly, there are consistencies in the sightings. It is either seen floating from the sky or found clinging to trees and structures in such a manner as to make a sky drop obvious. Very few samples have been obtained because the substance literally melts when touched. When handled, it becomes gelatinous, mm -hmm. then vaporizes into the air. There's no apparent reason for falls, which sometime cover several square miles. Wow. There are many theories about the source of angel hair, mm -hmm. with the bulk of the uh, suspicion going to migrating spiders, mainly due to the spiderweb delicacy. This would not even be reasonable if spiders <laughs> migrated at lower altitudes due to the immense quantity yeah. and the fact that spiders don't just pump out great quantities of right. for no reason. Um, okay, so then another theory has been uh, it's being produced in the funnels of tornadoes through a combination of dust particles and organic materials, high electron content and high gas velocity. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, this is all spun into threads by centrific centrifugal force, but which could really be from a UFO too. Sure. Okay. Um, sightings of odd patterns with very specific designs are often reported, and strands of angel hair up to fifty feet long have been found. Another odd characteristic is that angel hair is as volatile as cellophane when exposed to flame. Scientific analysis has concluded that angel hair begins to degrade when exposed to oxygen. <clears throat> uh, a most uh, interesting report of tiny filaments discovered on clothing which bright, brightly fluoresced under black light suggests phosphorus or barium titanonite and microfilaments of polymers. Huh. Hmm. So there's no reasons. Um, and, and then there, I, I've listed a lot of reports of angel hair. Okay. Um, 
but but the the one in in um, yeah, it's on the it's on the um, hundred and one question section okay. of my um, website. Awesome. Didn't realize I had that much information. On it. <laughs> I've I've been putting this thing together for a long time. Sure. Um, the the instance you're talking about is um, one of the sightings at, of Fatima. It's at the fifth the fifth one, I believe, and um, it was pouring rain, and um, there were. Um, thousands of people there possibly tens of thousands right and um a blight a bright light occurred um the sun kind of came forward and went backwards um what was fascinating was that there was also a silver disc that uh -huh. was sighted and um when the rain stopped there was no mud and nobody was wet huh. so um However, I am kind of of the opinion that some of this may have to do with um, egregores. Are you familiar with what they are? No, I'm not. I'm interested, though. Tell us about that. Egregores are a kind of energy that sort of float out there. They're all over the place. And if you put enough attention into them, they become... Um, it gives them life and energy and and they gather energy and um they in many cases egregores become um obsessions for people huh. you can have i mean one of my obsessions i hate to admit is diet coke <laughs> okay it has become a real thing for me i mean it mm. is a real thing but it's become more than that gotcha. and lots of times um when you believe in something enough, you will see it. Mm -hmm. There are people who become fanatical about having um, St. Michael as their guardian angel. Mm -hmm. So fanatical that they talk about it so much, that they believe in it so much that for them, they see St. Michael. Sure. So when you have a huge crowd that is looking at a bright light and, and expects to see the Virgin Mary... Trust me, they all saw the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. But it may have just been a bright light. Yeah. Now, I can't explain the bright light or sure. the rain and, and stuff like that. They say that rose petals fall, too, that was like angel hair. Mm -hmm. But I think in a lot of these, these places where mystical things are happening, it's because the belief of the people is so strong that they have visualized it in their minds and their minds has pro projected a holographic vision that is seen by many. Well, that definitely makes sense. I mean, we talk about the power of intent and like the Philip the Ghost experiment where people got together and they just placed all their intention that this person was real. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. And people will kind of decipher things based on you know, what their beliefs are too. So maybe it just, if it wasn't, you know, say 15,000 cradle Catholics there, if it was 15,000 Hindu, they would have seen, you know, a, a Hindu deity. Yeah. Or, so yeah, that definitely makes sense. I love that people say the angel hair is spiders because we know <laughs> spiders create 
you know, specific patterns with their webs as they make them. They're, they're all in communication with each other. Like, oh, you, you're doing, no, you're doing the leg. You got to go over there and do the leg. <laughs> yeah. It's so silly. But Well, you know. I mean, there are times when um, I've seen fields that are just covered with spider webs. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, there, there are places where there are tons of spiders, I guess, but it does happen. But angel hair is different. Angel hair definitely has a greater um, strand-like quality to it. I've never seen it, but I have a picture of it on my on my website, mm-hmm. so you can take a look at it. Um, it's there. There are lots of things that happen that you know scientists can't explain, so they tend to ignore them. But angel hair sure. is an, is one of those. Now, you told a fascinating story that I had not heard before about British soldiers disappearing. Can you tell the listeners that story from Turkey? Yeah, it's from Turkey. Um, Let me see. It's Gallipoli, Turkey. Yeah. It was during World War I, a regiment of British Army. It was the 1st, 4th Norfolk. Um, disappeared into, uh, they made an attempt to take Hill Number 60 at uh, Suvia Bay near Gallipoli. And in front of 22 witnesses, the regiment of over 800 men strong marched into a strange fog formation of um, lenticular clouds hovering Mm -hmm. over the hill and was never seen again. Um, They were posted as missing. The regiment was thought to have been captured, and after the war, Britain demanded the return of the regiment, but the Mm. Turks denied any knowledge of the regiment, Mm. and no trace of the regiment has ever been found. Wow. Where Um, did they go? Another dimension? or? Well, I don't know. Recently, somebody sent me a thing and said, well, they were all machine gunned down and buried, and nobody wants to admit it, but that doesn't ring true for me because there was no sound of machine gun. Yeah. So um, I would say they were interdimensional. I would say a portal opened and they walked into a portal. At least that's what I figure. That's amazing. I I mean, that that would explain it because if it were 25 guys and gals, that would be one thing. But it's 800. Not one of the 800 could have escaped the machine gun fire when they saw everybody getting cut down. I mean, that's, it's crazy. Well, you know, you have something similar. Um, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote this wrong because I don't have this information in front of (laughs) me. But one of the, one of the legions, one of the Roman legions who was working on Hadrian's Mm -hmm. wall um, after the completion of the wall. The entire regiment, mm. that means all the men, all the horses, all the camp followers, all the cooks, all the armament mm-hmm. people, everything, disappeared. And at the same time, um, in this country, we have rev- remnants of Roman forts that are built along the Mississippi and one of the other rivers. They have found Roman coins in this country. And um, the commander of that legion, after many years, turned back up in Rome and was given the governorship. 
he was given the governorship of Petra. And and mm-hmm. nothing was ever said. He was he was highly rewarded. And and yet none of the other men came back. He was the only one. And the wow. assumption is that they were all um, absorbed into the indigenous people here. Oh, that's really interesting. That goes way back. That's cool. Now you talk about, and I've seen these before, uh, but I don't, it's not really talked about that much, but Da Vinci, you know, he was very familiar with UFOs, he was, right? He was, he painted, um, he painted, um, aliens into some of his paintings and he also painted um, spaceships into some of his paintings it's pretty undeniable when you see the paintings oh yeah oh yeah this is and and you know it, it kind of looks like somebody's in a, a Volkswagen alien ship you know it, it, <laughs> it's definitely and you wonder with with the elegance of all of his paintings and the meticulousness of everything that he did that he'd shove one of these little mm-hmm. spaceships with a man in it and into the sky. It's just um, unbelievable. He was, I really think in a way he was trying to tell us something because in several of his crowd mm-hmm. scenes, there are aliens and they, they look like greys. Oh, I haven't seen those. I've seen, you know, several paintings where he, he has the, what's obviously a flying aircraft in his paintings, but not the aliens. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I have to search have to, that I out. I mean, uh, it's definitely there in a couple of them. I, I, you know, the titles are now not here in my head, but somewhere in my sure. notes, I'll find them sometime. <laughs> so there was a crash in, was it Aurora, Texas? Yeah. Tell us that story. That's that's a um, really cool story too. In the late 1800s, um, there was a whole rash of, of ships, technically spaceships, um, that um, were all over the country, and they'd look uh-huh. more like dirigibles, but the reality was, um, sure, they couldn't possibly have been dirigibles because they hadn't been invented yet. So, um, right. this, this one was, a spa- it was a spaceship, but it kind of looked like, um, it, it looked like a dirigible and, and it, um, crashed into a windmill and the, the, mm-hmm. the poor guy, um, got out and tried to fix it and, um, it took off again and then <laughs> it crashed again, um, a little bit beyond that and they um it, it burned and and they thought that there had been seven occupants of it but they only found one body and it was a very of a very small man and mm-hmm. um so the citizens of aurora not being traumatized by any of it picked up the body mm-hmm. and put it in a coffin and had a funeral service for it and he, he was buried Makes in the sense. cemetery. And the story comes from a woman who um, was alive at the time. Her mother wouldn't let her go to the crash, but she let her go to the funeral. And um, mm-hmm. the body was buried in their cemetery. And gosh, 50, 60 years later, the government tried to exhume the body. And the people in Aurora 
would not allow it to happen. They wouldn't tell them where it was. Good for them. So, so again, another case of this is not people that are that are um, angry. These are. Yeah, they're, they're not scared. Or... They're not uh, in any way um, terrified by these people. It was, and I think a lot of the th the times that, especially in movies, you see these weird alien shapes and everything, and um, mm -hmm. they just aren't. I I I think that ninety percent of the aliens out there are most probably humanoid, and and. Um, mm -hmm. You know, science fiction is is doing a great job at um, terrifying people about about the possible possibility <laughs> of of alien races and cultures and everything out there, and and, and there are people that mm -hmm. speak that they are in connection with the oh gosh the the Pleiarians and the all of the other names out there, and I'm not denying that mm -hmm. I you know, but I'm also of, of a mind of, you know, show me, prove it. You know, I, sure. I, I believe you sure. believe what you're saying, but I'm not sure I'm real. I'm ready to embrace the same thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got an open mind. That's all anybody can ask for. So that makes, makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that's great because, you know, I'm all for studying ancient civilizations and stuff like that but i do have a little bit of a problem with hey let's just dig up all the bodies and see what's going on and it's like well i mean would you want somebody you know digging up your grandma or your uncle or something because i wouldn't i, I say let them rest in peace and you know they don't tell us the truth about anything they find anyway so well that's that's so true but look what they've anything. done with the bodies of the giants that were in this country. Yes. I mean, yes. the giants, they had burial sites all over the place. And um, the Smithsonian, um, you know, went and collected them and then put them onto a, mm -hmm. a big barge and took them out to the middle of the ocean and dumped them. Oh, see, I was thinking they were just hiding in the basement of the Smithsonian. I was going to ask you, would you rather visit the basement of the Smithsonian or the Vatican? Oh, the Vatican in a heartbeat. <laughs> in a heartbeat. Who knows what's there? I, you know, I think that, that there's so much that's been said about, oh, the Ark of the Covenant and, and um, the, you know, I, I just think that... Um, when you stop and think about going back 2,000, 3,000 years, maybe more, mm -hmm. what was considered to be a treasure then was probably not be considered a treasure now. Okay. And the only thing I can think of when, when you're talking about um, the Ark and, and um, the chalice and everything, okay. Uh, first of all, the Ark of the Covenant was made of wood covered with gold. Right. The wood is, is by now gone. Sure. The gold is probably still there. In the Ark mm. of the Covenant was supposedly Aaron's staff, wood, rotted away. Probably um, the remnants of the Ten Commandments, which I might add, there were 613 laws that God gave Moses on the 
on on the mountain, not just 10, but we can't even follow the 10, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so so but there were 613 that were given to him and and uh, a a cup of manna. Now, mm-hmm. all of that is dust by now. Sure. And 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 as far as the chalice goes, my goodness, that that could be anywhere it could be it it who knows. But but when you talk about the treasures of, of the of the Knights Templar and and the Knights Templar especially, um, theoretically, last time I heard it was buried someplace out west. But but the real treasure would have to be knowledge, not a physical anything. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. If it was gold, it's gone. Mm-hmm. I mean. I, you know, it just, it doesn't make sense. And yeah. if that kind of gold had been discovered, it would have, we would have known about it. So I, I, I've spoken with um, Bill Mann, who is very, very high up in the um, Masonic Order of Canada. And mm-hmm. he said he has stood on the place where it's buried. And I do believe him. But, um, what it is that's buried is a whole nother ball of wax. <laughs> well, I feel like if the Vatican had things in their basement that backed up what they were saying, they would show everybody. Oh, yeah. Why are you hiding it? So. Well, look at what happened when Constantine said he wanted a Bible. Um, mm-hmm. They went out and gathered all of the material they could, and then they put it together in a semi-cohesive story Hmm. and when he got the final book he ordered all of the other material burned (laughs) of course so it couldn't be conflictatory and and so um i you know i i think that our interpretation of what is said to be the word of god is off Mm mm-hmm um, and I'm no one to tell you exactly what it is because I, I'm not, I'm not holy enough. Sure. But I do believe that there, there is material that has been written down that, that is inspired, but I also believe there is insp- inspired material still written today. And if you talk to somebody who is, who is a chapter and verse person, They'll say that no, God wrote the book. God wrote the Bible, and then He's not writing anymore. And mm. I just don't believe that. Well, I mean, we should we could sure use some more uh, guidance. That's for sure. Well, that's true. But the, <laughs> but the thing is, who who would listen? I mean, it today, everyone is so fearful. Their minds are closed off to a possibility of, of brotherhood. And, and look at what's going on today. I mean, mm. that's not brotherhood. No. Um, this is a big planet. There's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. And to, to fight over a piece of dirt, which is what they're fighting over, is, is ridiculous. Can't take it with you. No, so. you can't. And... But, but knowledge and wisdom and, and inspiration, you can. Absolutely. And, and, but they, they, 
I, I know that, that people that are creating these atrocities really believe in what they're doing and saying. Mm -hmm. But but I believe they're wrong because I don't believe it's right to um, kill and, and no. spe especially babies. But but the but the reality here is this is another case of depopulation. The the mm -hmm. best way to depopulate the planet is war. Yeah. And it's also very profitable. Very. So, you know, and, and look at our army hasn't had anything to do for a while. So, <laughs> so, so we're sending a whole bunch of men and stuff there. I mean, not that they're going to fight, of course, but, you know, they're just going into the region bringing provisions. I mean, of course. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> What, now, yeah, it, they're going to bring provisions, and what's in those? Our food is basically poison anyway, so, you know, they're bringing... Well, let's... So my stepmom is from the Philippines, and mm -hmm. she's been here about seven years, and she still cannot get used to the food because there's just so much garbage in it. So they're, you know, bringing stuff to people that's going to make them sick anyway. So that's true. It's it's tough. But. Well, and and look at you know when when we invaded the uh, United States, the Europeans, mm -hmm. um, they brought with them smallpox and all sorts right. of you know diseases. I mean it's. It's not always on purpose, but it does happen. Yeah. And and it's sort of like, you know, the war of the worlds, you know, the, what the aliens in the war of the worlds were killed by a common cold. Yeah. Yeah. But Well, um, now that we're talking a little bit about religion, can you tell us a little bit about Ezekiel's wheel? Because that, that was another possible UFO sighting, right? Oh, absolutely. He was taken up in a UFO. The wheels and the wheels. I mean, um, beautifully described. I mean, it was, but, but you know, and, and he was not amazed by it exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, but, you know, he wandered around a lot, got a lot of information, <laughs> um, yeah. came back and tried to solve problems and it didn't do any good. But that Ezekiel's wheels was definitely a UFO sighting. And, so, so during Moses, during the 40 years that they, that they traversed in that little piece of sand, mm -hmm. um, no way they traveled 40 years, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't travel for 40 years. They may have been gone for 40 years, but I don't believe they, they traveled every day or anything like that. But, sure. but the, the pillar of fire and, mm -hmm. and the dropping of manna from heaven that supported them. And then, of course, they complained about the diet. So, um, <laughs> you know, you know, it. Uh, there, there are lots of examples of that. Um, the, uh, Moses uh, on on the mountaintop uh, met with uh, Jesus and somebody else too. I, there were there were three three guys that they all got together and talked. Um, but but again. Um, there's a lot of, of magical stuff happening, you know, that you have to say has to be metaphysical because there's no other way to it. Um, right. And, and, you know, the, the, I think I go back to the Vimanas because 
we have the proof of those because of all of the the paintings of them and they they actually drew the the inter interior of them yeah. so that they could be made i mean mm -hmm. they they were you know they're there nobody's actually done it but look at king tut's tomb he had a he had an airplane that they mm -hmm. thought was a toy that actually would fly if you put a motor to it yeah so it's it's amazing um you talked about the dogon tribe in, oh yes and they had some uh, really cool stuff that went on with them yeah i it was it was funny because we had found the dogons and they 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 supposedly have been in contact with extraterrestrials, mm -hmm. but but the more I looked into them, I found that in 1938 um, there was a um, a Chinese professor who was looking for caves and stuff to take his students into, mm -hmm. and he went into a cave um, between China and Tibet. And he found um, 716 dropa stones. He called them dropa mm. stones, and they were they're circular. They they're 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 stone, but I suspect they weren't originally stone. But anyhow, they look like records, and because they were unusual, they um, you know they put them in museums and whatever, and nobody paid much attention to them until a number of decades later when somebody did start to magnify them more and they found that that in the grooves of these circular stones with with the dot with the you know the dot in the center um mm -hmm. were glyphs on the inside of the grooves and when they described when they deciphered them it turned out it was the story of a um a spaceship that had crashed they were of little stature but they mm -hmm. couldn't they couldn't fix the spaceship they were it was it was not repair repairable and mm -hmm. and in in these in these glyphs um it was the story of how they were going to um merge with the indigenous people um and you know just live out their lives there now that sounds like a really good scientific story except the Dropa tribe still exists, and they are still only about three feet high. Mm -hmm. So um, the the Dropa stones certainly. Um, then they went back, and and somebody actually tried playing it on a record player, and they did find that it did emit a signal, a sound of something, but they weren't mm -hmm. sure what. But. Um, that's why I think this is fascinating. I don't know why they haven't looked into the. Oh, their eyes were 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 different, mm -hmm. different shaped, and I think different colors. I'm not sure exactly what because I, I, you know, we were going so fast through all of this material. I didn't get a chance to really get into it any further. But mm -hmm. they because they're so small, um, the, their DNA and everything remained true because they were so small. They couldn't really mingle with others. Mm -hmm. And the altitude too. They they lived at very at a very high altitude. Yeah, I don't know how people do that. <laughs> yeah. So there were rock carvings in China that are like 
47,000 years old, something like that. Yeah, and and they're of the spaceships. They're of the saucers. Um, they do go back that far. And, and you know, if you go back really far, um, you know, we, we, we actually, the material that we, we worked with, that we gathered, um, um, we, we got the, the foundation of it came from Patrick Cook, who is my late husband, his mm. website, and he had gathered a lot of it. And um, there, ten thousand two hundred. Um, there, there, there is record that the. I'm gonna print. I'm gonna. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is I G, I G I. Began working. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> um, began began working with. Um, Began working with a um, the Anunnaki, 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 yeah, Anunnaki, mm-hmm. Sky Masters, according to the Sumerian text. So, so we're we're back that far, and this is in the in the Sumerian text. So, you, and um, you know, you go back um, through the um, through the Sumerian text and stuff like that, and you you get regions. So, so that you know, and I'm sure that you can go back even further. I'm on my website, the Bible UFO, um, the 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 um, UFO section. There, mm-hmm. it, it goes back even further and more specifically, and certainly into the biblical stuff. So, um, they've been around here longer than we have. And actually, the more I look at the material, the more I think about it, I think they were here before us. I think. Yeah. I think we're the invaders. We're the aliens. Oh, I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's definitely interesting. I mean, it, well, if you think of it, if we're the aliens, we could be, you know, I, I obviously the, these aliens are not living on the surface. They're obviously living beneath the surface, beneath the, beneath the water. Um, there are bases theoretically that are beneath the water, um, in volcanoes. I mean, they're, they're in places mm. that we're not going to go. And right. we have, we have basically, um, lived in harmony with them until recently when we try to shoot them down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it's like Bigfoot. I believe, <laughs> I believe Bigfoot is, is interdimensional. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we haven't been able to find a body or, or scat even from mm-hmm. from uh, a Bigfoot, and if you look at Mary Joyce's material, are you familiar with um, Skyships Over Cashiers? I am not. Honestly, I'm into Bigfoot, but most of the stuff I've been into is the wood ape theory, and a lot of that is because the Bigfoot community is just so treacherous with each other. It's like they they all seem to hate each other. It's it's really a sad state. But tell us about her. Well, she's got a her website is Skyships Over Cashiers, and she writes short articles on a plethora of material. But um, one of her favorite subject is Bigfoot, and she's written a, a an amazing book called Bigfoot Beyond the Footsteps, and she talks about places where Bigfoot has had has lived in harmony with farmers or um, 
you know, other people who are isolated and not trying to hunt them down or, or whatever. And, you know, sure. they'll, they'll come and they'll take stuff out of the garden because they're hungry and the farmers mm -hmm. are very, very good with that. And I think one of the other things that was amazing, they tried leaving gifts for Bigfoot and um, they would take the gift and then a week or two later, they would return the gift kind of like we got the pleasure out of it now we'll give it back mm -hmm. to you um it's 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 a sweet book because it talks of a a gentle sweet aspect of bigfoots that mm -hmm. um most people haven't heard um she goes sure. all the way back into i believe it was a civil war and one man was injured and left for dead and they took and they they um they they uh, he, they took care of him until he was able to get up and walk out of the area he was in. Mm. But but they fed him and they they tended to his wounds. So um, it, it gives you a whole new perspective of them, in that they've never tried to kill anybody. Right. They, they've thrown rocks and they've thrown sticks, right. but you know they, they they're huge. They could break you in half, and they haven't done that. Yeah. So, so why the big thing is to hunt them down and get a dead one so you can look at it? That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's it's really a sad state of affairs because not only if and I believe that Bigfoot's real, hundred percent. Mm -hmm. If they are, they're super endangered. So, would you go out? And just be like, oh, well, I'm going to be a clouded leopard, leopard hunter now. You know, there's a hundred of them left in the wild, but I'm not going to be happy unless I get all the pelts I want that I can sell and stuff like that. It's And they're so close to human, whether, you know, it's 75% or 90% or not at all DNA wise, but just a different intelligent species. Why would you want to hunt one down? Now, I'm all for if you know, one dies naturally, or if one, you know, is crossing the road and gets hit by a truck or something like that, that's a lot different than going out and trying to murder an intelligent humanoid species. Well, in not, my opinion. not only that, but their pelts are not collectible because they, they're, they're smelly. They look disgusting. Yeah. I mean, who would, yes. so, but, but, um, according to Mary Joyce, and um, her her website, um, they did um, they did find um, samples of, of the hair, and mm -hmm. they were able to analyze it. And this is this is really cool. the The hair um, when it came back with its results said that the the mother was human, the father mm -hmm. was unidentifiable. Mm hmm unknown primate DNA, but that's not enough. And I know that uh, Melba Ketchum did a whole DNA workup on them. And they're like, well, it hasn't been peer reviewed. And it's like, because nobody will read it. <laughs> it it's not because it's not because it's been looked at and they've poked holes in it. It's because they don't want to have the answer one way or the other. They they won't even look at it. 
And to me, that's not science at all. You look at everything. Well, I think everybody should check out Mary Joyce's site because her material on Bigfoot is far different from any of this, you know, let's kill one, let's hunt one down, let's find one. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a far gentler approach to them. And when I read her book, I just sat there and cried because there were such sweet things that have happened with Bigfoot in interaction with mm -hmm. humans in, in areas that are, that are not well populated, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, just leave them alone. I mean, I, first of all, I don't know, I think they're interdimensional and I haven't the faintest idea why they would want to come here anyhow, but you've mm -hmm. got Bigfoot, you've got Yeti, you've got the abominable snowman, you've got that one down South that is, um, a swamp creature. They, yeah. Skunk yeah. ape, yowie everywhere. I mean, they've been, except maybe Antarctica, but who knows? So they won't let us find out no. down there. But so this is something I, I I'm sorry, we're kind of jumping back, okay. but I wanted to do just a short podcast on the Hopi ant people. And so their word for the ant people is, and these are people that came up, well, you know, ant people, obviously, but people that basically helped them survive what was essentially an apocalypse. And the uh, Hopi word for ant friend is Anunnaki. Ah, uh, well. So it's, uh, is it a, is it a coincidence? I, I don't believe in coincidences. I have a, a couple lot, of so. theories here. First of all. Okay. First of all, um, the legend is, um, among the among the Hopi, um, and this comes from Patrick's material, um, that mm -hmm. you've seen the Hopi dolls, right? Oh yeah, the, the Kajina dolls. The Kajina dolls mm -hmm. were um, created because they wanted their children to remember what the aliens, the people who saved them, looked like, mm. so they wouldn't be afraid when they found them again. And my theory on the ant people is that they were absolutely human, humanoid like you and me, but they lived underground. Mm -hmm. So they were called ant people because they lived like ants, not because they looked like them. Okay. But that's, I mean, that's an amazing coincidence to me. And it could be as simple as, uh, you know, the Hopi were descendants of people that came from you know, the Sumerian areas and, and, you know, stuff like that. But I don't know. It, it seems like a, a pretty big leap that, you know, two, I guess, populations or, or societies or civilizations have an exact word that is so similar because the Anunnaki weren't necessarily ant people, but they were maybe interdimensional, maybe, you know, from another planet, maybe from the future, whatever. But yeah. it's it's just an odd coincidence to me. We did a show on Granger Taylor. Have you heard of him? No, I don't think so. So he was a guy in Canada, and I believe this was in the 1970s. And he was a mechanical genius. He took a train, a steam engine train, that multiple companies had tried to refurbish and make for their own. And they're like, it's shot. There's nothing we can do with it. And he rebuilt it 
and fixed it up and it worked fine. And, you know, he, he had this mechanical genius and he built essentially kind of a tribute UFO, like a flying saucer that had a room in it that he could go in and, you know, read his books on aliens and stuff like that. And he left a note that said, you know, I've been contacted by aliens and they're coming to pick me up and we're going to go explore the universe and I'll come back in, I, I can't remember if it was like 50 or 100 years. And on the day he said he was going to disappear, he disappeared and nobody's seen him since. So wow. it's something to look into. It's a really great story. So kind of like back to the future. Yeah. Well, in he, I think he also said that I won't come back to see my mother and father and brothers and sisters. I'll come back to see uh, my, you know, great nieces and great nephews, meaning that, you know, he'll be gone for whatever amount of time on Earth might be different when he's traveling the galaxy. So, I mean, it makes sense. It does. And, and he may well have, you know, achieved that. I mean, it hasn't been that long. So it would seem to me that, you know, he could still be on the calendar, so to speak. Oh, that would be amazing if he came back. Nobody would believe him anyway, but... Wouldn't it be cool, though, because... I mean, after all of our space travel and all of the stuff that's going on with science to have guy, a guy be able to jerry-rig something that <laughs> was actually a time machine. That would be fabulous. I believe that a lot of our best minds are people that just have this natural intuition on how mechanics work and, you know, how, like Tesla. Maybe he was just a regular human that was born and was just really smart or maybe he had you know a little extra i don't know alien dna or you know a, a stronger god particle or something but uh you know he he wasn't somebody that wanted to go around and give lectures and write books and stuff like that he's like no i want to build this stuff and he did Well, he, he was weird. Oh, yeah. But, but, um. Well, people call I, us weird too, Barbara. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's, a, it's a title I'm proud of. Right. But te Tesla, um, he wanted to give away his electricity. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was out to help everybody and to give people, you know, a source of energy that they wouldn't have to pay for. And, and frankly, I think they killed him. I would just not me. be shocked at all because God forbid somebody gives something away that we can sell for trillions and trillions of dollars over the next, you know, 50 years or however long it's been. Well, if they turned him loose, we probably would have anti-gravity machines now and we'd probably be a lot further along in, in science. But he, I don't think, um, wanted anything to do with the government. I don't so, blame him. So they kind of um, did him in. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like the mafia. You want to work for me? No, I, I don't want to work for anybody. Okay, well then, you're done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, um, our government yeah. is like the mafia like that. I mean, 
You talked a little bit about the Tunguska event that happened in Siberia. Can you share that story with us? Well, that was the meteor that exploded above ground and then just wiped out the forest all over the place. Mm -hmm. do, do you believe yeah. it was a meteor? No, I think it was a spaceship mm -hmm. or a drone. I mean, I think that I think that they've they've enough there. They have enough radioactivity still there that it has to have been um, a vehicle of some sort. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't think it was Russian. I don't think it was, you know, um, sure. an experimental thing of theirs. But I mean, what it, it, if you see pictures of the area, it was it was miles and miles of absolutely just wiping out the trees. Yeah. And it doesn't. I mean, there's not like a crater where you would expect if a meteor hit. And, and I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm no astrophysicist, but it doesn't make sense to me that a meteor would come through our atmosphere and then just decide to explode like a mile above, you know, this forest. Yeah, no. Well, and wasn't it in, um, is it Russia or China? Um, I think it was Russia. They were trying to dig down to the center of the earth. Mm -hmm. The center of the earth is 4,000 miles down. Mm -hmm. They got, I think, seven miles yeah. and they had to stop because the uh, the earth was melting around the, the drill bit and they couldn't go any further. Ooh. So, I mean, when you think of the, the fact that, that the crust, not the crust, but the distance from the surface of our planet to the center of the earth is 4,000 miles. Hmm. That's what they lots tell us. <laughs> lots of room there for cities under the ground, for sure. Absolutely. And uh, we, we talked about the sea tones before. I, I think that's how you say it. I mean, that's how we said it. So I hope that's how you say it. But uh, they were Chinese miners that were, you know, they were involved in a collapse of a mine and they went down and they came across another humanoid species that ate food that grew down there. They were super healthy when these guys, you know, they were miners and mm -hmm. they had like bad rotten teeth. And when they came back, they had perfect teeth and people are like, well, well, how did your, how did you fix your teeth? Like, did you go to a dentist <laughs> down there or something? And they said, no, the, the food that they eat is so healthy and so packed with, you know, vitamins, minerals, nutrients, whatever you need, that it fixes your body's problems for you. So, wow. yeah. Well, that kind of goes along with, you know, Admiral Berg and his inner earth. And just recently they've discovered that under the crust, um, they did, they did, this is just recently, mm -hmm. they discovered that there is an ocean under the crust that's bigger than the ocean above ground. And they had um, evidence of waves breaking on shore beneath huh. us. I have not heard that. That's that's just within the last two weeks. Oh, well, I need to get on that then. You know, I'm sure that we as humans have some sort of underwater base somewhere, some something along those lines. But I wonder, we're so obsessed with going out in the universe but our oceans have barely been, you know, scratched the surface. Do you think that maybe they're like, well, 
there's some other people down there and they don't really want us down there so we're just going to leave it alone i i don't think it's that i think that 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 there is probably there probably are um posts of some sort way down deep but when you look at what happened with that um diversible that that, that went down to mm-hmm. the ti- was going down to the titanic mm-hmm. i mean it's it's difficult for us to get down that deep and that's not as deep as you have to go right so um they 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 talk a lot about there being um underground facilities for ufos that that are under the ocean mm-hmm. heck um even columbus saw one yeah. so they they're they're down there but in order to get there to make contact of any sort is literally impossible so i don't think it's a matter of um not believing just not having the capability of getting down there sure i bet tesla could have built a sub that would go down there <laughs> we'll never know i think he was more into time travel and 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 the anti-gravity stuff he was you know really into that but you take a look at him and he really looked weird anyhow so he did <laughs> he was not handsome no and his best friends were pigeons so um but he was strange if the if his place setting wasn't just right he wouldn't even eat his food so he was a unique character for sure and sometimes that's what it takes absolutely and you know he really he wasn't lonely. He just wanted to be left alone. And the building he was living in had a had generators in it that were way far more powerful than they had to be. So in a way, I think the government was giving him facilities to experiment with. But he got too close to something and they took him out. That's sad. Well, one thing, uh, and we don't have, we've got just a couple minutes, but... Uh, you had talked about hearing harmonics in a casino. Yes. And I 100% believe that there are, well, I know, it's not even just belief, that there are sound weapons that they use that you, like, if they want to do crowd dispersal, they'll pull up in a truck with, looks like it's got a satellite dish on it. Nobody can hear anything that they're pumping out, but everybody gets sick and has to leave. That's a yeah. fact. Uh, it's a fact that your brain has different waves and they can be kind of manipulated with like binaural rhythms, binaural beats, you know, running different frequencies and your left ear and your right ear kind of brings it to the middle. So, why would casinos who invest probably billions of dollars on finding ways to keep people in their playing games, spending all their money? I mean, it seems like a natural step. Hey, what can we play? Even if it's just what kind of music is going to keep people here. Yeah, no, it's a harmonic. Okay. Um, it's sol- solfigio music is harmonics Mm -hmm. and every every harmonic will will work on a different level of your consciousness and one of them is peaceful Mm -hmm. and you know and and that's exactly and it's it's a harmonic it's not music it's a harmonic it's a tone that is broadcast constantly and it, it it puts you almost into a hypnotic stage 
so that you're at peace and you're having a good time and you're just plunking money into the machines. <laughs> yeah, there was a there there was a radio host that didn't believe me, but he hasn't looked into it. Well, actually, I I I try to be very kind to hosts because I am one. Mm. And sure. afterwards, I I wanted to write him and say, you know, you don't have to apologize for the fact that you're not evolved enough to hear this tone. <laughs> well, and I mean, you can people have different ranges of hearing too, and especially if you're sensitive to begin with, maybe other people aren't picking up on it. Maybe not everybody. They they may not be picking up on it, but it's still having that effect on them. Oh yeah, my sister was there. She didn't hear it, mm -hmm. and um, my brother-in-law didn't hear it. I heard it, and it gave me a headache. And so, after we had l lost our money, we went to the <laughs> other casino because they were mm -hmm. two really close, and th the same thing there. They had the that same harmonic being broadcast, and. Um, you know, my sister was happy to sit there, and she she was playing the penny machine. She could have gone on forever, but yeah. um, I was more adventurous. So when I'd lost my my uh, hundred dollars, I said, "I'm ready. Let's go." Uh -huh. But but it was there, and I I kind of wanted to go around asking people if they heard it, and yeah. I thought, no, that's 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 too weird even for me. So um, I just I'm not going back. And and I'm I'm waiting for somebody else to who frequents the uh, casinos to see if they hear it because they're or or take something that can measure sound because yeah. it's definitely there it's definitely affecting people depending on on what you want to address within your life whether it's meditation or spiritual awareness or healing or there's a sort there is a solfigio frequency you can listen to and there's music that is already out there that that is published that that you can play that music and it will facilitate that aspect within your consciousness you know they say that uh, one of the reasons that classical music is so beneficial is because it's kind of working on your brain you don't really know it but the way that things are put together are kind of working on your brain. And, and if you can't accept that as a possibility, then maybe this is the wrong <laughs> business. Well, um, <laughs> Vivaldi's Four Seasons was used for super learning um, mm -hmm. decades and decades ago, way 40 years ago. Um, Vivaldi's Four Seasons was what they played for people who wanted who, who were focused on learning material. They played mm -hmm. uh, the Four Seasons, and they called it super learning. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I'm writing a show, I listen to Alpha Waves the whole time, mm -hmm. yeah. and I don't know, like I can't necessarily feel in my body that you know there's a change that takes place, but I do know that I don't get as frustrated. I don't get upset when the computer, you know, turns on me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it, it's definitely out there. But I, I do think that if you're, if you're putting shows out like this, have an open mind. And if you're listening, have an open mind or, or why would you listen? I, I guess there's people that hate listen. They used to say that Howard Stern, people that hated him, uh, listened for like, an hour and 15 minutes and people that loved him listened for like 45. So 
There's all kinds of weird stuff out there. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, well, you know, when I, I, I read a book a week, so, <laughs> and, and I often uh, will play music in the background because for mm-hmm. some reason it helps me remember better. Sure. Now, yeah, you can associate the memory with the song, just yeah. like why everybody can sing their ABCs. Oh yeah, and that's how I learned the Greek alphabet when I pledged a sorority. It was, <laughs> it was a song, and I can still spew it if I have to. But, but it's it's just it's it's another way of triggering memory, and it's a great way of triggering it. And if more people used it, we might have smarter people in this world. <laughs> no guarantee. Well, yeah, I was gonna say uh, they still, you know, people still have to wake up. And well. That's the challenge. But that's but I taught special ed for twenty five years. And mm-hmm. when I when I ran across the Vivaldi and, you know, the learning curve and everything, I played it in my classroom. And mm-hmm. um, I had the IQs of a number of the children really mm-hmm. jump um, very impressively. After awesome. after about four or five months of listening to Vivaldi, you know, just subliminally, not out loud, not real loud, but subliminally, it, mm-hmm. they calmed down, they had more focus, and they learned more. Right, and and everything. I mean, like meditation, you know, people try it once or twice and be like, it doesn't work. <laughs> well, you got to do it for like a year, and then come and tell me it doesn't work. But that's interesting. I work with adults with special needs uh, as my day job. And frequently I will put on like alpha waves and I'll have not other, you know, not the clients, but other staff will be like, what are you playing? This is stupid. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry that you want to listen to Justin Bieber, but this is something that's beneficial for everybody. Even if you can't tell, let's just play it all day and see how many people you know, get irritated and, you know, have a behavior as opposed to days when we don't, mm-hmm. but nobody wants to, they just want to listen to whatever's popular these days. And it's like, you got to open your mind a little bit. So <laughs> good luck. Well, thank you. You have been absolutely wonderful. I appreciate your time so much. And I would love to have you back on to talk about the, um, Cosmic deck of initiation. Cosmic deck of initiation. Yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting. Um, I created it 30-some years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, the publisher stopped publishing it. And just recently I had a publisher who republished it and asked for the handbook, which I hadn't written, but now I have. Mm-hmm. And the response I'm getting from people is is very profound um it's um it's an amazing tool it's hand-painted mandalas and i channeled them and painted them and i'm not an Mm. artist but they're very pretty (laughs) and um the philosophy that they give you is it's it's for your own spiritual development it Mm. it can be used for prognostication certainly but but basically it's a teaching tool it's a spiritual mm-hmm. teaching tool that, that is disguised as a deck of cards. Make it fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I would love to have you back on to do a whole show about that. Uh, if you'd be willing to come back on, that'd be great. That would be delightful. 
Awesome. Well, can you tell everybody once again where they can find all your stuff? All my stuff is on barbaradelong.com or cosmicdeckofinitiation.com or my YouTube channel. Um, it's Barbara DeLong. Um, and, uh, but basically everything is on the website. Okay. And you do... Oh, is it a weekly radio show I do. and a podcast? I, I do a podcast. And, okay. And I also, um, starting with the new year, I'm going to do predictions for every month of the year. There's an overview for every year up there. And um, it's it's a little frightening how accurate it has been for this year so far. So I'm going to expand it so that every month I do a prediction for that month. Oh, man, that could be great or it could be awful. I hope they're good predictions. <laughs> There's no point in doing this work if it isn't positive. Oh, I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, on that, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You have a wonderful evening. I will get this produced. It will probably come out next Tuesday. And as soon as I release it, I will send a link to this email. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have a great evening and we'll talk soon. Okay, no. Bye-bye. Bye. Haha, -bye. <laughs> you thought the show was over, but it's time for bonus content. We did an episode on Dudley Town a few weeks ago, and Barbara has visited Dudley Town. So we're gonna listen to her description of actually visiting Dudley Town. So stay tuned. So you got my note about Dudleyville, I take it. I did, yes. Um, it, it's so weird. It's it's a cool place. And, and I think that, you know, when people hear, okay, well, maybe the Dudleys weren't cursed, then they kind of dismiss everything after that. And it's like, no, 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 wait a minute. Uh -huh. There's a hundred different things that could be going on here. It doesn't necessarily mean that just because one guy wasn't cursed by... Uh, was it Henry the Eighth or Henry the Twelfth or or the Mohawks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's prime Wendigo territory. <laughs> <laughs> so are you? So are you from close to Dudley Town? It's in Massachusetts, right? Um, either that or Connecticut. And I think it's in Connecticut. Is it? Oh yeah, I think um, you're right. No, I well, I lived in Connecticut, and um, I was in a spiritual development group and somebody mentioned Dudley Town and of course you know being curious mm -hmm. uh, this other friend of mine there and I said well let's go there this afternoon and you know we knew it was you know supposedly cursed but mm -hmm. I'm a medium and mm -hmm. so if there was a curse there or something I would know it and so we um we drove up to near where it was. We parked by a bridge mm -hmm. and we walked into the forest. And I have to tell you, it's an old forest. It's mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of years old. It's also on the Appalachian Trail. Okay. And so so there were people walking along it with knapsacks and tents and everything. And we walked in in shorts with a bag of trail mix. Um <laughs> never occurred to me it would be that deep a forest mm -hmm. and uh for for quite a while we were able to follow the 
you know, I was a Girl Scout. We were follow, able to follow the markers mm. on the trees, but then they disappeared. Mm. And we, we actually stumbled into Dudley Town. But what was so weird about the whole situation is there were no bugs, no birds, no noise, no ants, no spiders, oh, no. no nothing. Wow. There were no animals there at all. That's and scary in itself. It really wasn't. It was at late afternoon, so it was kind of dark. Uh -huh. And um, we we walked around. We checked out some of the foundations. I did not get a feeling that there was anything evil in the town. Mm -hmm. So some craziness may have taken place. But the most I got was that it was the water that was mm -hmm. their biggest their biggest um, enemy. Mm -hmm. Um. And, and some people were, were unbalanced, and there's so few people there that, yeah. um, that, that just having two or three, you know, go crazy was, was unusual. Now, you know, if you have, mm -hmm. like in Nashville, two or three go crazy, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lucky day. Um, <laughs> but um, we did get the unsettled feeling there. There is definitely not a peaceful setting to it at all. So I can tell you that there was a lot of fear and and, and um, anger and stuff like that connected to the land, but hmm. not necessarily to the town. Sure. And the town may well have, you know, absorbed it and reacted to it in some way or another. But it was, um, you know, we, we sat there, we felt stuff. We, we di I didn't feel any spirits there. Okay. As a matter of fact, it was as empty of spirits as it was of, of bugs. Wow. And usually in any piece of land, you can pick up something that happened there before. But I didn't get that feeling. I got an emptiness that was really sad. And uh, then, <clears throat> then we tried to get out. <laughs> and uh, we got lost. Mm. And finally... Um, we heard somebody cutting wood, and we followed the uh -huh. no noise of the saw. Sure. And we, we were like five, mi five miles away from the car. That's no fun. <laughs> but, and, but Dudleyville, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a pretty piece of land. Yeah. It's, I can't imagine why anybody would settle there. It's rocky. It's, it's lots of trees. There's no open fields. Never have been. It didn't look like. Yeah. There is a there's a logging road there, but um, even that was deserted and grown you know grown over. Mm -hmm. So I mean, why anybody would would put a village that far above the water is beyond me. Yeah, I had read that they were there was no clean drinking water source where they were at, and it's like, well, I mean, you know, people back then were much more industrious they may have built their own cabins you know uh, dug their own wells if they could and stuff like that but it's like why would why would you choose a place that you can't grow stuff and there's no clean water i mean it seems like the decision is what was cursed well and they had rock foundations you know mm -hmm. you're going back to the 1700s mm -hmm. it was rock foundations but <clears throat> It almost feels like it was 
I don't know, a, a bunch of Puritans going into a rocky landscape saying God will help or something. Mm. I mean, it just, it was that, it's that inhospitable. And the trees, I got to tell you, those trees were 100, 200 feet high. Wow. They were huge trees. I could not put my arms around the trunk of most of them. <laughs> sure. And, you know, it was, it was, um, it was scary, but it wasn't scary because I felt spirits there as much as the land didn't want you there. Hmm. Now, I don't think it was a Mohawk curse. Sure. I think the land did not want people there. Mm-hmm. And so it made it impossible for them to grow crops. I mean, you'd have to have sunlight, and there was no sunlight. Yeah. Yeah, so, it makes no um, sense. No, it doesn't. I mean, I think there, there are other reasons, and I don't know what they are. But I got in, I think we walked in there probably um, sort of right, right on the period of time where they were going to close it down for people to go visit. Oh, I got you. Because there were no signs that didn't say no trespassing. Mm -hmm. And um, we obviously were not even dressed for going in onto the Appalachian Trail. I mean, it was when when I think of how stupid we were and how (laughs) easily we could have gotten really lost. Mm -hmm. um, It was it was amazing. But the land didn't didn't want us there. And I, I had a feeling that as soon as we were leaving you know, the, the land got comfortable again. It really like, it was almost like we woke up something that was sleeping and we had Mm -hmm. to get out. Well, I mean, I guess land, you know, could be cursed. It doesn't have to be the Mohawks or the Puritans or, you know, the Dudleys, you know, there's, who knows what it could be. It it could have been a, you know, place where aliens landed and (laughs) tested some of the people there. And that's what made them crazy. It's, there's so many possibilities for a place like that, but I know the feeling that you're talking about. It's almost like you walk through like an energy wall and then you're in like this dome of just kind of despair. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it could easily, it didn't feel as though it was a portal, but it did feel as though you were welcome. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, I didn't feel, um, First of all, I, I don't think the Mohawks would have wasted their time on that few people. Yeah. And the iron in the land probably contaminated the water so that they were unsettled, I would mm-hmm. think. Um, but but I just think it, it's, you know, there are places where you can go that you feel really happy. And no reason is just a happy place when I went looking for houses and stuff. I, I felt, I wait, I waited to feel whether or not the house I was looking at was a happy house or not. Mm-hmm. And so the land was just so, um, get out. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure aliens would have even had the, the space to, you know, live there. So, sure. Well, who knows? I mean, there's so many mysteries and, you know, every time I find what I think is an acceptable answer for something, it opens up 15 more questions. Oh, yeah. That's that's kind of how Dudley Town, you know, is to me is just like, well, there's something there's got to be something. 
and we just don't know what it is yet. We don't have the scientific equipment to test for, you know, cursed land or anything. So, <laughs> well, we did have friends that went in and tried to get EVPs and couldn't get any EVPs either. Mm -hmm. So well, it would make um, sense if there's no spirits there, then. Yeah, no, I didn't. You know, it, I was ready. It was like, you know, come on, you know, talk to me, and it's just nothing. Just a deep sadness mm -hmm. um and you know we were depressed as we left mm -hmm. but i think it was because we didn't know how to get out <laughs> that yeah that'll do it for sure well i'm glad you made it out and thanks so much for joining us this afternoon that's all we've got for you tonight on cryptique tell them what they need to do what they need to do mm-hmm I, I think it's imperative. It is imperative that they let us know what they thought of this and all of our other shows at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on TikTok at cryptique underscore podcast, YouTube at cryptique podcast, and on X, or if you're a holdout, Twitter at podcast evil. Absolutely. This is cryptique reminding you you don't need to be able to see the future but you must be able to see the present. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Does that make no sense? Or is that just the ramblings of a lunatic? That's, well, it's a little bit of both. It's some Socrates shit, though, I think. <laughs>